Life is a piece of cake With layers defined by our mistakes So happy birthday Hooray! Blow the candles out Start another year Here's what you don't do is that good or should we take Is it time for us to start, Rob? <laughs> Nor normally he cuts in when we've been talking for too long and he's like, levels are good. Mm. He's enjoying our talk. Flapper women, large bowls in the fetishes of I never want it to end. Apparently our banter is especially good today. Yeah. Or, or Rob's just got heat stroke and he doesn't yeah. care anymore. We're all in kind of a delusional fever dream. We're all Ooh. lying on the ground right now and just kind of like staring oh, yeah. at everything. The microphones are so good you can't even tell that we're just on the ground rolling around with them. Half of me is out the window. <laughs> It's the only way to get cool. It's the only way to get cool. Oh, hello, birds, trees. <laughs> How are you doing today? Oh, just swell. Oh, just swell. Why, aren't you just a cool breeze on a hot summer day? <laughs> oh, my land. <laughs> my land. My stars and gardens. Where, where have all my small dogs gone? <laughs> All I can find are all of these regular sized dogs. <laughs> and these largest and these dogs. large dogs. It's the small ones I'm looking for and are the hardest to find. <laughs> well, I believe they might just be hiding underneath these other dogs. <laughs> I rarely move them. <laughs> I just let them go about their business. And their business is usually lying on the ground. Lying on the ground on top of them little dogs. <laughs> Just like grand, grand doggy used to do. <laughs> <laughs> I've owned generations of dogs. <laughs> I ever tell you what my grandpappy old reliable used to say. I don't remember the rest of that line. It's from Lady and the Tramp. Uh, I, I was going to go with that you were making it up. I shouldn't have said anything. Never reveal Never. your secret. Ever. My secret is that my legs are very sweaty. Oh, my secret is that the backs of my knees are sweaty. Mm -hmm. And I'm avoiding moving my butt around too much because I know <laughs> the moment I do, I'm going to realize how much of like an adhesion there is between me and this plastic chair. I just came up against that uh, when I went to cross my legs. Uh, <laughs> and you're just stuck. <laughs> like you said in treacle. I did, and it's got me all sticky. <laughs> A big old bowl of it. A big old bowl of treacle just for mama. Not soup. Who the fuck do you think we are? <laughs> fuck you, get that soup out of here. Get that goddamn soup out of this room. If I see one hot liquid, it's going I, in your face. I swear to God. I see one hot liquid. I'm gonna come over there and I'm gonna cool you the fuck down. Gazpacho, that's fun. Gazpacho, the fucking loop hole. A cold soup hole. The soup hole. <laughs> get out. <laughs> get, get. I know I'm a guest here. <laughs> it's okay, it's not my home. You can you can order me out of someone else's home. 
Yeah, that's actually a power I have. Any any home I go into, I actually have the power to to expel someone from it. <laughs> like an anti vampire. <laughs> you can actually you can come in and tell other people to leave. Yeah, once you let me in, I can tell anyone to get the fuck out. <laughs> and I also live forever. <laughs> also, live, yeah. also I live forever. But BT mostly it's shooing people out of places. Oh, so many public bathrooms. Out. Get out. Get out. Get out. <laughs> you're not pooping in there. I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know this is for poopers only? <laughs> this is a pooping bathroom. If you had to pee, take it to the alleyway like a fucking civilized human being. <laughs> the large dogs will show you the way. Yeah. When you found the little dogs, you know you're there. Yeah. Oh, gosh. One moved. Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> they were all under the same dog. That's how big big dogs are. That's how big the biggest size of dog I have is. (laughs) Well, I guess that's as good a time to start as any. Probably. Probably. Is that the... You're fine. Don't worry about me. We good. Just trying to identify sounds. (laughs) me falling asleep. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's what I can force other people to listen to. Um, It might not work. I discovered yesterday that I can make like a throat tone and whistle at the same time. And it sort of sounds like a train whistle, but it's also in progress. Do share if you if you feel so. I feel like, because if I whistle near the microphone, I think it's just going to sound like air. It does sound a lot like air. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> I'm working on it. That's awesome. I can barely whistle, so I'm pretty impressed. (laughs) My only goal now in every improv show is to just be a train. (laughs) Oh my god, that could be all aboard. That could be like your your improv signature. Oh, you know Sam? Oh no, maybe I've seen her. Oh well, she's the one. Oh, with the train. She's always Always driving a train. train. It's just a normal family scene happening, and you're like, woo woo. <laughs> that is home from conducting business. Because <laughs> it's business, but I'm also a conductor. That's why I'm conducting business. Because conducting is my business. Ah. Uh, toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I just go <laughs> and then we star wipe to CSI yes I love a good star wipe <laughs> love a good star wipe okay now we'll actually start I mean we started but we haven't started start and a one, and a two, and a hi everyone! Welcome to Here's What You Don't Do, the podcast where we talk about our mistakes and our failures and our whoopsie-doos and our, oh gosh, wish that had gone better and I had done something different, And but it's too late now, so let's just reconcile those choices in front of an auditory audience. 
right. and auditoriums of an indeterminate number of people. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> There could be dozens of them. There could be dozens. There could be one. I know there will be at least one. Probably two. Possibly Maybe two. three. Three? I'm trying to think of everyone I know who like definitely listens. You're overestimating anyone's interest in listening to me. <laughs> I'm not. Words. <laughs> words, 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 as Shakespeare would say. Uh. Um, okay, well, who, you, who you've been listening to for, how, how long has this been going? Uh, like in reality, 17 minutes. But who cool. knows how long But who knows going. how much you'll actually yeah. hear. <laughs> how much of that hot soup talk. Who, who, you've been, who you've been maybe hearing for 17 minutes is Sophie. Welcome, Sophie. Thank you for having me. Sophie is our guest today, and Sophie's going to tell stories. And before we jump into it, um, I need everyone in the whole world smack the person next to you and be like, hey, you need to do this too, says my headphones. Mm-hmm. Everyone take a deep breath. <sighs> Close your eyes. Think about what you're doing right now and ask yourself, is it a good idea? Are you driving a train, conducting a train, I guess, uh, on, on surface level, nothing wrong with that, um, are you on tracks? If not, get on those tracks. Are you conducting your life in a way that makes you feel good? Yeah. Are you doing that while you drive this train? Are or are you driving this train thinking about everything that, <laughs> everything that you wish you could change? And maybe you're going a little too fast because you're so wrapped up in your own thoughts. You're just driving that train into nowhere, off the tracks, through buildings. Off through the, the tra- through buildings, and you don't even notice. No. You haven't even noticed it's happening. What's going on inside your brain? Is because it? you're so self-centered. God damn it. God damn it. You Craig. <laughs> Craig, why don't you conduct this train in the direction of love for once? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell people for once, you Craig. Them, Craig. For, for once. once, maybe if you told them you valued them, you wouldn't swish, swish, squish so many of them under your wheels. Maybe if you loved people, your train wouldn't kill them. <laughs> <laughs> Craig. Well, I think we've given we've given everyone else. You're fine. You're totally fine. But we've given Craig a little something to think about. Well, when he listens to this, he'll have to reconsider his life. Yeah. And Craig, if you're listening to this while you're driving that train, uh, don't have headphones on. Just fucking... The person behind you will be fine listening to it. Put it you gotta hear. You gotta hear your whistle. And other whistles. And the, the screams of people leaping out from in front of... 
the path I of the train. Say, like the sirens, the people the sirens. screaming, dear God, a train, a train is going through my house. What the fuck is that a train? Oh, did you see that train? Yes, it's hitting me right now. I keep yelling at him. He won't stop the train. I keep waving my arms and saying, Craig, you piece of shit. Craig. Why won't you open up? Craig, Craig. You're so goddamn wistful, Craig. Put the brakes on. Craig, you're not unlovable. <laughs> but you will be if you keep trying to stand, you, Craig. You will, you will be unlovable because no one will be left alive to love you if you don't stop driving this train. Craig, flatten a whole town. A whole town. A whole tiny town. They say he's still rumbling through the tracks across the country. Good doing that across country. <laughs> just, just looking for someone to love, someone to squish. <laughs> You still hear him. <laughs> and it's, it's him making a hooting noise like a train whistle. The train whistle's broken. <laughs> because he died 60 years ago. Ooh. And it's his ghost on these tracks. Ooh. But the train is still very real. The train. <laughs> <laughs> so watch out. <laughs> It's a real train, but if you yell at him, nobody answers. Just like when he was alive. Just like, yeah, actually, no difference. <laughs> no difference. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're, you're fine. Um, yeah, yeah, well, now that we've figured out Craig's timeline, yeah. let's, let's hear about Sophie's timeline. Yeah, Ooh, all that talk of Craig has me down with the self-reflection. <laughs> we could just, because our only goal today is to not be like Craig. Yeah. Well, if I can get that done, then I can sleep at night. Um, <laughs> I guess starting the story off um, for context, because I feel like the story is more about like, you know, every story is a tie between events and people um yeah. but i feel like the story really centers around like people and relationships <clears throat> and how like when you don't communicate openly with the people you care about or the people who care about you um bad shit goes down yeah <laughs> you you hit and keep missing each other um but i guess the people who are the most like integral to this uh story are my parents because um, you know it all starts from the parents we're we're all just just trying to fix our parents mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so my therapist says. Um, but uh, yeah, my parents. Um, oh, maybe I shouldn't say their names. Uh, let's call them. Uh, they both have to have three out of the four people in my like immediate family all have the same you know what fuck it it doesn't matter um <laughs> we can always if you decide you don't like it we can bloop them later no. rob will come up with a name to just say over top of it no <laughs> we'll see how i feel about it but for now i'll use their real names because i don't want to fuck myself up um but yeah seth and suzanne sophie and matt that's our family. Um, <laughs> poor Matt got, didn't get an S name. Because fuck him, apparently. Um, but uh, Seth, uh, we'll talk about my dad first, I guess. Happy Father's Day. Um, oh, happy yeah. belated Father's Day. Happy Yester Father. Yester Father. Happy Yester Father to you. <laughs> um, they celebrate that in Canada. Um, 
it's like Boxing Day. Anyway, um, but uh, my dad, he's a lawyer. He's a New York Jew. He's very anxious, uh, very uh, overbearing, one might say. Mm-hmm. Um very much uh, wanting to be in control all the time. And, like, he's a very smart man, and he's a very, like, charming dude. Like, I feel like if I have <clears throat> any sort of people skills, they probably came from him. Mm-hmm. He's very good at, like, putting on a, a mask and, like, being like, oh, hi, how's it going? Like, being very sweet to people and then turning around being like, well, those people are fucking idiots. Like, or like, did you see that lady? Blah, 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 blah. Like some terrible comment about her body. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so he was a pretty intense dad to have. Um, but kind of the counterpoint to him was my mom, who, uh, Suzanne, who is very much like a free spirit. Um, she grew up in like uh, the valley in California and Tracy in a farming town. Um, her dad was Portuguese immigrant. Her mom, a Catholic alcoholic, um, <laughs> who had a lot of mental health problems. And we get a lot of depression from mom's side. We get anxiety from dad and we get depression from mom. Oh, that's like the best combo. Right? And they <laughs> meet in the middle in my brother and I and just like make for some like really just bubbly people <laughs> just <laughs> overflowing with something <laughs> we're bubbling it's because we're boiling alive but there's bubbles <laughs> yeah boiling alive with self-anguish <laughs> yeah. no hot liquid <laughs> no hot liquids is a gazpacho zone only um but yeah she always i think wanted to do bigger things with her life Mm -hmm. Um, but she decided to be a nurse because she really loves helping people and she's like the kindest lady I know Um, and she actually now she works for the state department and she's the medical attache in our embassy in Islamabad so that's pretty dope yeah she technically diplomats that's That's pretty dope that's a hardcore job yeah right she lives you know uh, overseas and but I feel like that's good for her, and we'll learn why. <laughs> uh, but foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Um, but my parents, uh, like my family, when we were uh, together, um, when I was like a little girl, up until I was about maybe like twelve or mm, I feel like it started when I was like early tween, like maybe like ten ish. Mm-hmm. I started to kind of like, before we'd been a very like happy family, we did a lot of like staycations. We, we don't have a lot of money, you know, like, you know, um, but we always had fun together and we were very like creative, fun family. And my brother and my mom were really close. Um, and I always had like kind of a hard relationship with my dad, but not so much, I think until, uh, I was like a teenager Um, and I wasn't a very rebellious teen, like at all. Mm -hmm. Like I was very, very good kid. Um, no drugs, no alcohol, no, no boys, girls though. (laughs) I was struggling with them gay feelings. (laughs) 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 That was an underlying thing. Um, but, uh, gosh, train of fucking thought. We were a good teen. And then, okay, so around, like, 10, 11, I started to kind of notice, like, my parents' 
dynamics with each other. Like how my dad did a lot of yelling and not a lot of like listening to my mom. And sometimes my mom would express like how she was feeling. I feel like my dad would like write it off, mm-hmm. like be like, oh, <clears throat> you're not really feeling that way. Or, oh, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you see where I'm going with this. Um, and he would make a lot of comments on like, uh, on her like body sometimes like he I remember one offhandedly just said something about like oh like you know you're a little rounder something like that and you know mm-hmm. as a kid that semi passed over my head but I was like oh kind of rude like yeah um but like all of that began to kind of like intensify and I started to become more and more aware of like how my dad kind of was controlling my mom in many ways like Mm -hmm. I I think overheard them having a conversation once where she was wanting to like make new moves in her job or something and my dad was like well I don't feel comfortable with that like I don't feel comfortable with you like advancing farther than like where you're at which was like she's a professor at the time Mm -hmm. um and she was like well I want to do so much more than this but I feel like he was very much like kind of wanting to be in control of, like, what she was, like, up to. Yeah. Um, And I started to see that make my mom, like, really, really unhappy. And I think it also made my dad terribly unhappy because he, he, I don't think he ever wants to ever hurt anybody. Like, I think he's always got good intentions in his heart, but I feel like every time he goes to speak like honestly with someone or truthfully with someone or if he's in a place of anxiety it comes out in these like very controlling very like overbearing kind of like statements and actions where you feel like he's like right in your face and he's like controlling everything that like is going on with you yeah so I was starting to feel that myself like I was starting to feel that control kind of coming over me and I know my brother definitely felt it they used to have my brother and my dad didn't super get along when he was like a teen um because my dad would was forcing him hardcore to keep like doing soccer because he wanted him to get like a soccer scholarship or whatever Mm. um because sensibly so school is very expensive yeah there's Um, that bit but just resulted in like a lot of fights in the house you know yeah like a lot of like my like dad screaming at my brother my mom coming at my dad and you know everybody's yelling at each other and I'm just kind of like oh (laughs) I'm off to go to my rehearsal because I have been doing theater since I was like six years old so like Mm -hmm. I was just like just focus on doing your theater and stuff and it was kind of hard because at that time like moving up to maybe being like 14 when stuff starts getting like really intense um (coughs) so sorry about that um my like friend group at school uh used to be very like tight it was like oh I should use pseudonyms for these people though um (laughs) it was uh we'll call the ringleader of the group we'll call her Bonkus Bonkus Uh, Bonkus her name starts with a B um Bonkus and Ella. We'll call them Bonkus and Ella. Um, 
I was really close with these two girls, Pockus and Ella. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was in eighth grade, just entering high school, they decided, they thought that I had said something mean to this other girl that we were friends with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, which I hadn't, um, I don't know why, uh, why this all went down really. And it's fuzzy to me, but like the point of it is, is they were, they excluded me and they were like, nobody talked to her, like to other groups of friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and I went to like very small schools. I grew up in this, uh, town in Northern California called Orinda that's right outside Berkeley and Oakland. Um, and it's pretty small, like go to the grocery store and you know everybody and you see everybody's parents mm-hmm. and like the checker at the grocery store is like, keeping those grades up and you're like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) fuck you linda you can shove it give me my damn milk (laughs) no and then you have to find another grocery store but that's the only one so you gotta go yeah so you go different lane and she can still see you and you're like fuck you lady (laughs) i'm gonna go to five items or less what do you think about that just from across the room. I can still see you, Linda. Linda. Fuck you. You ain't gonna get to bag my shit today. <laughs> I'm having it bagged by Ernesto. He's much handsomer. <laughs> I, I wish there had been a handsome Ernesto <laughs> to bag my groceries. <laughs> you can't you can have other worries when there's a handsome Ernesto to bag your groceries. God, if Ernesto could have just sat down with my parents. <laughs> All ill will out the window. They would have been so fucking charmed. Right? Ernesto, where are you? <laughs> I'm here to bag your groceries and unbag your problem. Oh. Ernesto, why don't you unpack your bags right into our home and stay? <laughs> oh, Ernesto, be my new... See, there's no good role for him in the family. <laughs> we think Ernesto is sexy. <laughs> you, yeah. 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 He really should just fly away after a couple of days on an umbrella like Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. As all good uh, grocery baggers slash therapists slash uh, magical nannies do. Mm-hmm. But in lieu of a magical nanny, I was really... I was really getting down in the dumps Yeah, um, as a teen. Um, a little past being saved by, an, by a magical nanny. A little too old for that, I think. Um, but uh, I... So I was left with kind of, like, n- not a lot of friends at school other than, like, uh, you know, classmates and stuff. Um, so I wasn't really talking to anybody. And, like, around the time when I was, like, 14, I was seeing my family kind of, like, come to this tension... I was also starting to, de- I feel like, develop my, like, depressive tendencies. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be, that would come to be a problem for the rest of her life. Um, <laughs> but uh, just those, like, heavy sadnesses that, like, make it hard to get out of bed. Or, like, the is- isolationism where you're like, oh, I don't want to talk to anyone. I, like, have to keep this all inside for myself. Yeah. And like, well, and if you're being pushed into that position anyway by other people, yeah, it can be it can be pretty like uh, isolating. Yeah, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> um, as they say in the movies. As they say in the movies on the talkies and such. Um, but I started very much like retreating into myself, um, whereas like before I'd been like this like 
really colorful like theater kid where it's just like constantly like oh Sophie she says so much stupid shit like adults think you're so funny because you just like blurt out whatever comes out you mm-hmm. know from your mouth um and I had horrible ADHD so I was always running around like a crazy person like uh, could never sit down for a family dinner a family dinner was always my parents like sitting kind of like you know very like civilized and my brother just like on his knees on his chair just like talking 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 and me like standing on my chair like walking around the kitchen just being like blah 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 and my parents are just there trying to be like kids we're trying to eat dinner for fuck's sake like (laughs) will you be still for two seconds um but kind of when I started at the time of like becoming a teenager, that kind of like faded from me a lot because of all this stuff. And um, one day, my mom was like, uh, when I was fourteen, um, and things were getting really kind of intense with my family. My mom was like, "Do you want to go to San Francisco?" Which was only about like ten, fifteen minutes away by yeah. like car or BART. Um, do you want to go to San Francisco and have like a, we called it like having a Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Like uh, it was like a thing in our family. Like one uh, day a year, you could take a day off of school where you weren't sick, and you just want to fuck off. And we called it taking a Ferris Bueller's Day, and you got one <laughs> <laughs> per year. But uh, my mom was like, "Hey, like, <clears throat> do you want to take a Ferris Bueller's Day? And uh, I'll pick you. Go to school." Uh, and then, or I'll drive you to school or like your dad will drive you to school and then I'll come get you. Cause they were still, uh, together at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you can probably tell from this lead up, she wanted to keep it on the down low, um, yeah. what she was going to do or what she was going to say. Um, so she was like, let's go to San Francisco. So I hopped on the bar, went to San Francisco. She's like, you want to go Westfield mall, which is like this big fancy mall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody knows of them if, if you're savvy in the mall, uh, topic of malls <laughs> if you know things about malls if you were a mall rat actually um, i am vague i'm only vaguely savvy in the topic of malls because i work at nordstrom oh. so i believe we have one in westfield mall actually i think i've been in there once because i was in san francisco once one time sorry burpees no you're fine <laughs> it's the damn Lacroix, okay <laughs> That's what it's here for. That's what it to, to make me burp. <laughs> like to keep people on their toes. Keep them honest. Keep them gassy. <laughs> That's our slogan here. Here's what you don't do. Keep, keep them honest. honest keep, keep them, them gassy. gassy. Did I break everything? No, it's fine. Okay. Anyway, back to like a fairly serious part. <laughs> um, I can't keep a straight face. Um, but uh, so we're in the mall and she's uh, we do a little shopping and me and my mom love to go shopping and she's very like imagination oriented. So she's, you know, when I was little, she'd always be like, where would we wear these outfits? You know, mm-hmm. and we'd like craft a story, you know, like of like who we were and where we were going and everything. Um, she's a very sparkly, creative lady. Mm-hmm. Um, so after some shopping, she was like, let's go to the food court and like sit down and like chat a little bit. I was like, OK. And so we went to the food court, we sat down, and she was like, uh, after we had lunch, she was like, hey, I need to talk to you about something that's that's kind of serious. And I was like, okay, like, I always have your back, like, because there'd been a couple of occasions where my mom had, like, uh, recently, like, they'd gotten into fights, 
and she'd driven off and uh, and been gone for hours just driving around. Um, there were times when she, like, you know, was driving me to school, and we t- would talk about it a little bit, um, but not, like, so much. Yeah. And she would sometimes express to me, like, uh, well, sometimes is a bit of an understatement. She would kind of express her frustrations with dad pretty frequently to me in, like, private situations. Yeah. Um, and I think I was the only one that she, like, spoke to about it because she wasn't very close with her mom and her dad died uh, when uh, me and my brother were pretty little. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus her mom has uh, was deep in Alzheimer's and, like, alcoholism at the time. So no, no go on a good listening ear there. Yeah. Um, so she was like, Sophie, I really have to talk to you about... Uh, what's going on with like me and your father? Um, and I was like, yeah, I've, what, like, what do you want to do? Like, or what, how do you feel? And she was like, well, I feel really trapped. Like, I feel like I can't be myself. I feel like, um, I feel like not a person anymore. I feel sad all the time. Like, I am afraid of him in some ways. Like, I, you know, we both, I feel like, had a very good understanding of, like, fearing his, like, wrath of, like, doing what he didn't want you to do or, like, talking in a way that he, like, deemed disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. The kind of yelling that he did was so filled with... It wasn't yelling so much as, like, volume, but so much as, like, guilt. Like, laying on the guilt, like, very hard. Like, why are you doing this to me? Like why would you like destroy something like this or like why would you like act this way and hurt me like this yeah um which makes you feel pretty bad um when you're anyone um but she basically expressed to me that she didn't think that she could be a happy person or even a functional person like married to my dad and I like as a kid that like hit me really hard because I was like, oh, I knew kids who had divorced parents, of course. Um, and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, what's, what's going to happen here? Um, but they had all, you know, it was all like, you know, little kid divorces. Like, you know, like, I was three years old and my parents split up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, so that's been your lifestyle. Um, whereas this was kind of like an immediate, like, interjection to the family dynamic. Yeah. Um, but... I was like, uh, well, how do you, like, have you decided already? And she was like, I I don't know what to do. I don't know if I can divorce your father. Like, I don't know if I can get out of it. Like, I don't know if it's better to stay. Like, is it better for you guys? And I was like, gosh, I don't know. Um, And I stupidly, I'm such, it wasn't stupid. It was a 14-year-old's response. but I was like, why don't we make a pro and con list? <laughs> because <laughs> when you're 14, all you do is, like, do homework and, like, make Venn diagrams and, like, make book reports and stuff. So I was like, oh, like, a, a, a chart? <laughs> Let's make a chart or something. Um, I mean, that's actually, that's actually a pretty sensible suggestion for... A 14-year-old. I feel like a lot of 14-year-olds would have just blurt something out. 
Like, here, I'll just pick one or the other. <laughs> well, I was so afraid to choose one or the other. Yeah. I was like, you know, like, I was completely, even though my family had been going through so much <clears throat> turmoil, I feel like I was still completely blindsided by it. Like, mm-hmm. it, like, didn't, I didn't feel like it, I saw it coming, like, at all. Um, so that was my blurting was, uh, pro colors question mark um but we yeah. wait is your brother older or younger he is older uh, okay. by three and a half years okay so uh he was he was college times uh by this point uh which is pretty important thank you for asking me um, <laughs> um but uh yeah so he was in college at this point um at sonoma state which was just an hour away mm-hmm. um so pretty, pretty close to home, but still pretty unconnected from like what was going on. Yeah, like in the home. So it was just me and my two parents uh, living in the home. Um, so that was pretty tough. Um, but so we proed and conned it up in the mall, um, like you do. And when we got to the end, like we were both looking at it, and uh, you know, it was way more pros in there than there were cons. you know perceived at that time yeah um and so my mom like asked me again like uh what should I do like should I divorce your father and it's a very giant decision to put on a child (laughs) yeah oh and this moment still like holds a lot of significance for me but like I was really afraid for her, like, and her, like, stability, because she was, like, losing a lot of weight, and, like, she was, like, always on edge, and, like, did not seem like herself. Yeah. So, like, I said, yes, you should. Oh, God. I mean, hearing the lead up, (laughs) this this sounds like... this is what she wanted. Oh yeah. And just needed someone else to say it too. Yeah. Certainly, certainly. But you know, perceived through the mind of a 14 year old, like you're like, fuck, I had a real hand in making this decision. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, cause you don't see the outside factors other than just like, you know, the unhappiness of your parents, but like, you don't see like all the factors she would be considering, like financial factors, like long-term factors. Like I was just like, you're sad. Will this fix it? Okay. <laughs> but I like did, didn't really like, you know, in my head I was like, oh gosh, I've helped with this decision. Yeah. But, uh, and that kind of like stuck with me. And then, so like she, in the next couple of weeks, she kind of told me she was going to do it when she felt ready. Um, and when she had like a place for us to like, stay but if I remember correctly that didn't pan out too well um and she just ended up booking it on a on a day and was like hey like this is where I'm at I think I remember staying at some obscure aunt and uncle's great aunt and uncle's house that she knew who were tangentially related to us uh but we you know stayed there for a while till she got an apartment but for the next like couple of months like 
all the depression that I had been feeling like before like became intensified because we were moving around me and my mom were moving around for a little time just the two of us Mm -hmm. and then my dad was like what the fuck bring my daughter back and so they were like okay like no knee you know I'm too old for like any sort of custody bullshit so they were like we're just gonna split the time but that kept changing Ugh, for a while it was you know one week here one week there oh that's not fair like oh sh- you know school days with you weekdays with me oh that's not fair like they were constantly constantly fighting over everything being exactly even mm-hmm. and <laughs> shout out they still do this um, <laughs> I literally just dealt with this problem the other day of like are you going to go see your mom and Dwayne Hart like no like then I have to come up to Seattle and I have to see you immediately oh my god um anyway (laughs) um but everything had to be even Mm -hmm. and that was a huge stressor on me because a lot of the time it was up to me to kind of keep the schedule honest um Mm. because my mom will be like come on like you can stay through Sunday like you know if you come home late to your dad's like what's the worst thing that's gonna happen he's gonna yell at me like yeah and he might call you up and yell at you. Um, but like, uh, and they both would do that. They both would be like steal, like stealing time from each other and like competition style, like being like, oh, like, uh, you know, don't you want to stay with me for like the rest of this time? Or like, you know, your mom won't mind if you just like don't go see her for a week. And you're like, well, no, that's... Not how that works. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so that was very unstable. Um, And they had horrible communication skills. Like my dad basically like refused to speak to my mom um, after they uh, split up. I think, yeah, we'll just call it the first time. They've, there was lots of like, I'm leaving. I'm coming back because I feel bad. Oh no, I'm leaving again. Um, but I think that only happened one or two times. Um, was it always your mom coming and going? Mm-hmm. Cause she, Ball was kind of in her court, I think at that time, like she was making all the kind of decisions about like, you know, whether the family would be together or not. Mm-hmm. And I think my dad felt so powerless, um, through that, that he felt like I was something that he could control, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that was one thing that neither of them had, like, total ownership of, was, like, me. Um, And so they didn't talk to each other a lot. They would talk to each other through me. They'd be like, tell your mom this, this, and this. Tell your dad this, this, and this. And sometimes it was, like, not nice stuff. Like, (laughs) um, but, and that I wouldn't pass on, obviously. (laughs) But... I I still got the pleasure of hearing it. Yeah. And I got a lot of my, you know, just a lot of the shit that my dad would throw at my mom, he began to throw at me. Like, this was a time when, like, I was looking through my old, I was telling you earlier that I was looking through my old, like, uh, journals from that time. Mm -hmm. And there was an entry that was like, God, I wrote so angsty as a teen. But it was like something like, like, hey, dad, like, I've lost like 20 pounds the last two months. Like, are you happy now? Like, do I like, do I look okay for you now? Like, it's God, it was like not. Well, it was uh, it was not a fun, sexy time uh, for me. But 
I feel like I was letting his like uh, anxiety about my mom and how he wanted to like bring her back because he loved her, of course. Um, but he could only extend those things to me. So he started being really shitty about, you know, my body and like he would like get really mad at me for being sad. Like, <laughs> like he would, uh, we would, he would drive me to school cause I didn't have a driver's license yet. Um, and I would just sit there in the car, like facing forward, like, and he'd be like, you don't talk to me. Like what's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, Oh, I'm I don't know. Nothing. Nothing's wrong. Be like, oh, you're mad at me. You hate me just like your mom. Your mom makes me seem like such a monster. And like, you know, if you if you keep listening to your mom, like, are you ever gonna talk to me again? Are you ever gonna like, what do you you don't want to be my daughter anymore? Is that what's going on? And like, that shit used to tear me up. Uh, Cause what do you even say at that point? Like, like. Don't don't you know that I like love you? <laughs> yeah. But like as a fourteen year old, I got so mad and so personally offended that I would just clam up. Yeah. Like as much as I could. But on the inside, I was like, oh, I need help. I need help. I I hate myself and I hate everything that's happening around me. And I have no control over any of it. Um. And right about when this was like ramping up to its most like upsetting like within me and like in the like culture of my family like passing uh like messages and like toxicity through me to each other yeah um my uh my dad's mother died my nana um she'd been dying for a while um and she just died of being old um it's a good way to go yeah right just being old yeah and she was like she was an interesting lady. She, I feel like she, my, my dad probably became his mom more like, you know, mm. um, cause she was also very controlling, uh, very, uh, overbearing kind of woman. Um, and she did not like my mom like at all. Um, and I remember like when I used to go over to her house, she'd be like, and my mom would take me there. She'd be like, Suzanne, you never brush Sophie's hair. She looks like a street child. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and my mom would be like, oh, fuck you. Alice, you suck. Like, <laughs> not to her face, but like on the drive home, she'd be like, can you From believe? across the grocery yeah. store. Fuck you, fuck Alice. Fuck you, Alice. You suck. No. Ernesto, say fuck you, Alice. I'm not going to do it. Ernesto, tell Alice she could suck it. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Th- that'll be thirty six ninety five. Okay, thank you. Ernesto. Okay, paper or plastic. <laughs> um, yeah, but so Nana kicked the bucket, um, and I think <laughs> that was a lot of strain on my dad because my dad does have a sister, uh, Aunt Juliet, as we call her, uh, but she is not a helpful hand in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't really speak to anyone in the family um, other than when it concerns, like, money, like, getting money for stuff. Um, so, like, uh, Nana dies, and it's very stressful in the family. Um, and actually, and my dad's having to plan all of this, um, like, memorial stuff. Um, 
and my my papa's still alive, but he's very deep in dementia, so he's like very much like, "Where's Alice? Like, what's going on?" Mm-hmm. And we're like, "Oh man, your wife's dead." Um, but um, Aunt Juliet, my dad's sister, had come up, tried to take all this stuff from my like tried to like take what would have been her inheritance had she not been written out of the will already um yeah from my living grandfather who was like where are you going with my things like like my love my daughter I love you why are you stealing from me (laughs) and like her I had a very like weird view of her because like my dad was like Aunt Juliet is like a pothead all she does is like sit in her basement and like smoke pot and like play and like have her stupid dogs and her like terrible husband Ted and like talking so much shit about her like that she was like some sort of like crazy drug addict uh but in reality like <laughs> just earlier today I was in my basement smoking pot and wishing I had a dog to play with so <laughs> and you haven't <laughs> stolen belongings from anyone today I assume <laughs> I, won't, I won't question sure, you sure, on sure, it sure, sure, sure. some yeah. secrets have to be kept some secrets have to be kept but I'll tell you this has been a good day of cat burglaring I mean <laughs> weed trimming I mean my normal job <laughs> of cat burglaring oh gosh cat, I did it again oh, I did it again oh, shoot speaking of which would you like to buy several pearl necklaces that it stole from the ladies of the neighborhood. <laughs> Ooh, which neighborhood? Ooh, ballet. <laughs> Ooh, I bet they're very eccentric and vintage. I'll take two. Mmm, here. Here you go. They look lovely on you. <laughs> the sound of money. Oh, that's not nearly enough. Oh, there we go. Now we're talking. Oh, thank and you. And <laughs> my car keys. Oh, thank you. I'll take those in the bra as well. No, and um, I'll take these necklaces and put them in my bra as well. Oh, they look lovely in your bra. Well, thank you. I'm going to put them around my neck. I like it so much. <laughs> I, that's what I was assuming that you would do. Whenever you put something around your neck, I know you don't like it. Mm-hmm. Too sweaty. Too, too sweaty. <laughs> because the bra stays dry as a desert. <laughs> yeah, the bra is definitely not the area that I'm having the most sweat. Definitely right now. no sort of like foam latex issues happening there. Nope, nobody's sticking to anything nope. on their insides or their outsides. It's like two dewy clouds <sighs> floating in the sky, floating in the sky, not uh, not, not touching anything. Not touching any- <laughs> Ever not each other? They're going parallel lines. <laughs> never going to touch. Never going to intersect. Floating through a beautiful blue Miyazaki sky. Oh, that's what I want. I just want to be a cloud that no, that nobody touches. I mean, what's different? <laughs> what would change? <laughs> anyway, anywho, anywho. So Aunt Juliet. Aunt Juliet. Uh, she come, she tries to steal a lot of stuff. Um, but my papa calls me and my dad, and he goes, get get over here now, and Juliet is stealing all my shit. And we were like, fuck, no, she's not. And we, you know, we rounded up the cavalry, which was just the two of us. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, went over there, and she was literally boxing up all his shit, like bubble wrap and everything. Holy shit. Yeah. And he was like, I'm still alive. <laughs> These are still my possessions. Um, and we were like, we got in this huge uh, confrontation with Juliet and Ted, uh, where, like, 
Ted, her husband, started like yelling at me and being like, fuck you, you little bitch. Like, you know, what do you have in any of this? Why don't you just like stick your fucking nose out of this? Like, yeah, it like got heated. And my dad was like, Sophie, call the police. Um, (laughs) And I was like, I'm calling the police if you don't leave right now. And so (laughs) they were like, oh, fuck. And I was like, I'm, t- I'm talking to the police right now. I wasn't because I was scared. But that I, theater training. But that theater training. I projected. They heard me from all the way across the apartment. They were like, oh, And they shit. believed it. That girl enunciated. I know she's calling the police. <laughs> <laughs> and they are coming to get you. Hello, officer. This is a 14-year-old child, 15-year-old child. Uh, my grandfather is being robbed by my aunt. Excuse me. Please help. Post haste. Stop. <laughs> XOXO. Stop. <laughs> um, but uh, we didn't end up calling the police on them, rather just chasing them out. But I think that really freaked my dad out. I think he, because they hadn't talked in a while and they never had a good relationship, but for her to like come in and be so disruptive in a time that was already tumultuous yeah um, yeah if his whole thing is controlling a situation oh yeah then a curveball just comes in out of fucking nowhere yeah hits you in the temple hits you in the temple jiggles your insides around a bit jiggles your insides around yeah um but it also jiggled me up a little bit because like uh through this whole like uh parents splitting up business I was starting to see all these different adults as like people like you know not infallible beings of you know child rearing but like you know people who are filled with pain and and anger and regret and that was that was hard to take in um and I started kind of like uh between kind of like the death of my nana and when um we had her service. She, fun fact, she's a very claustrophobic woman, so she didn't want to be buried, like whole, like a, <laughs> like a whole person, because <laughs> usually that's the Jewish, that's the Jewish way, you know, like you bury people in the ground, yeah, like uh, as opposed to cremation, because you know, um, but uh, she wanted to be cremated for some reason. She didn't want to be put in a box. Um, because an urn is more spacious. Uh, oh, yeah. An urn is better than a box. Well, she wanted to be scattered somewhere. I don't Uh-oh. fucking know. But you know my dad didn't. Like, he, he kept, I think he kept Nana's ashes, like, in the fucking garage for the longest time. Um, it, was, it became a joke. Like, go into the pantry to get the canned goods. Hey, Nana, what up? <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, come here often. Me too. Peaches. <laughs> you get the peaches. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, during that kind of time, I started to feel my depression really spiraling because I wasn't talking to anyone. Like, I wasn't talking to my, mem- to my mom about how I felt. I didn't have any friends to talk to. Um, every time I even spoke with my dad, it turned into some sort of, like, you know toxic conversation yeah um, well it sounds like he made it all about him yeah he he was very you know well you can't blame him for being self-centered in his own divorce but uh but it didn't bode well for for the parenting like yeah. the parenting kind of stopped um and he put a lot of like my mom's responsibilities on me which was 
which was really hard. Um, but like I started to get more and more depressed and I started to kind of feel that depression 24 seven all the time. Um, and it was like a lot of guilt. And then my dad said something kind of offhand. Um, I was already definitely approaching suicidal before this happened, but my dad said something offhandedly. He he probably wouldn't even remember now if I were to ask him. But he said something about, like, uh, how Nana, like, hated the divorce. And, like, when she found out about it, like, it was, you know, it was really the last straw. Like, the divorce killed your Nana. Like, like mm. me and your mom splitting up, I think that's what really killed your Nana. I think she died. I think he said literally that she died of a broken heart. Like... I should fuck you she died because she was old um but that really got to me because if you'll remember from the first part of the story um I was already feeling pretty responsible for the divorce yeah I had told my mom to divorce my dad in no uncertain terms in plain language um and then my dad kind of told me that the divorce killed my Nana. So in my 15-year-old brain, power of association, uh, I killed Nana. <laughs> I caused the divorce, and I killed Nana. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. Um, and that weighed very heavily on me. And it made me feel like I was a horrible person, and I didn't deserve to be around. I didn't deserve to be alive for like what I did. And, like, the way that I hurt people. And I know that, like, you know, it's the old adage of, like, it's not your fault. But, like, it felt like my fault. It felt so like my fault. And during that time, kind of in between her death and her memorial, I started kind of acting out in, in ways that nobody really saw, but that were very dangerous. Um, like I used to just walk, I used to sneak out of my house, like after my dad would go to bed, I used to just walk around town by myself at night and I would lie in the middle of like, uh, Arinda had a lot of these like back roads that were, didn't have any street lamps. Um, they were just country road, yeah. um, ripping through the back California hill, hills. Um, and, uh, people would go really, really fast. Um, and you know, no speed, speed limit, very little cops or anything. Um, no lights. Um, so I would sometimes be walking around these roads and I would just, uh, lie in the middle of the road for as long as I could stand to before I started feeling, feeling guilty again, <laughs> because <laughs> how much of a dick would I be if I killed myself? Like, you know, it, it was like, I would get so close, uh, and I'd lie there for long enough and I'd be like, fuck like, what if he saw that I wasn't, what if my dad saw that I wasn't in my room? Like, he'd be so mad. And I'd start getting anxiety about my dad getting mad at me when I'm lying in the fucking middle of the road. Um, and so I used to do that a lot. And I used to, uh, a couple of times, I tried to, to drown myself in a bathtub, which was uh, the stupidest way of trying to kill yourself. You're never going to get it done that way. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Who are you kidding? You're just being dramatic at that point. What, you're lying in the bathtub with all your clothes on, Sophie? What, what are you, who are you, what are you trying to prove here? Um, but, but it was really about, like, it was, it's like cutting in a way. It's like punishing yourself for yeah. what you perceive you've done wrong. Um, and, like, you know, I was hoping to punish myself into death. Um, but, you know, every time I was like, fuck, I could not do that to my parents. Like, I couldn't do it to my brother, really. That's what I would always think about, is I'd always think about my brother. And, you know, that, me and my brother are really close. Uh, But during this time, we were probably the farthest from each other we'd ever been emotionally. Yeah. Um, Because my brother... If I, if you were to perceive it that I was on my mom's side, you could perceive it that my brother was on my dad's side. Um, because uh, once, when my mom told my brother about the divorce, what she did is she told me not to tell him at all. Um, but uh, the day after she separated from my father, she drove up to Sonoma State to see him. Um, and she started having the conversation with him. Um, and then he was like, I'm, I'm never going to speak to you again. And just ended that conversation, broke off that communication, like, right there. And he didn't just speak to her for five years. Um, Damn. Yeah. Um, but it caused a lot of friction between me and my brother because we'd always been on the same side, and now we found each other almost in opposition with each other because our parents were. Um, and because my brother... <coughs> I think was just so saddened by my mom. Like he perceived her wanting to leave our family, you know, like, Oh yeah. Like you don't care about, our, you don't want to be a part of our family. Like you don't want to be, uh, you know, a member of this family, um, which wasn't, uh, what she wanted. She just didn't want to be married to my dad. Um, but so every time I would get really close to really doing what my depression was telling me to do, be like, you know, are you really going to do that to your brother? Like, you know, because I feel like that, you know, even though we were fighting with each other, he still felt like perhaps the like closest person to me. Um, and so when he was, came down for my Nana's uh, memorial service, I was like, I had wanted to talk to him. I was planning on talking to him um, because I needed someone to talk to because I couldn't talk to anyone. And I was feeling, I was feeling like pretty out of touch with like myself and with reality. Sometimes I like disassociate a little bit and like anxiety just like makes you like black out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like I was having those moments a lot and I was like, oh fuck, like maybe I need to talk to my brother. So we're all, so... We, my brother, my father, my mother, and me, um, gather at my uh, grandparents' house uh, to get ready to take my grandpa to the memorial. Go as you know, like a five-person unit. Yeah. Um, to this memorial that was happening in the clubhouse of the golf course of the retirement home where my grandparents had been living. It's called Rossmore, um, and it's just a lot of old Jewish people. It wasn't an exclusively Jewish community, but there's a lot of old Jewish people. Um, 
and uh, it was going to be like a Jewish service. So like when we got there, uh, back up a second, uh, <laughs> I just was thinking about all of the little old ladies in their little shawls with their little yarmulkes. Um, <laughs> it made me happy for a sec. <laughs> It's nice when everyone thinks to coordinate. Right? <laughs> They're all in blue. No. Um, uh, but before we uh, could get our shit together and actually go to the service, um, my brother confronts my mom at my at the grandparents' house. Um, and it's like, <laughs> I was actually talking to my mom yesterday about this situation because I didn't remember it too well. And I was like, what all went down on the day of? And she told me about this little interaction that I found interesting. <clears throat> but my brother and my mom both play guitar. And my brother apparently like came up to her in this moment before we were supposed to leave and was like, you need to give me your guitar, like her old like, vintage guitar from like the 70s. And like he's like, you fucking owe it to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like weird, out of the blue, weird thing to, to bring up just now. Uh, but like my mom was like, no, fuck you. A, I don't have it. B, no. And like, C, not the time. And like my, like, and my brother was like, well, fuck you. Like, and like really like started going off on my mom. And like, I was like, oh God. And we're all dressed up really fancy to go to this like funeral. And like people are yelling at each other. And my mom is like to my dad, like, are you going to let him like, you know, are you going to let him, like, talk to me this way? And my dad was like, I don't give a shit. Like, fuck you. Like, I don't want you to come to this memorial anyway. Like, I don't think you should come. I don't think you should be allowed to come. Like, you should go home. And Sophie will come with us. It's uh, quite a moment to make that announcement. Right? It's like, bitch, I'm already here. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you're just, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're essentially there. Right? Well... I think she maybe picked me up from school. He couldn't for some reason. Um, but he probably was always planning on excluding her. Um, but he chose that moment uh, to, to let us all know, um, which was very nerve-wracking for me because I had been fighting so much with my dad recently and been feeling so on edge that I was kind of looking forward to having my mom as a support uh, mm -hmm. for all this shit that was going down. Um, How far into the divorce was this? We're about six months in. Let's see. January, March, April. No, we're like, we're like four months in. So this, everything ramped up incredibly oh, quickly. Yeah, yeah. The timeline for this is insane. Like, uh, it was like January through like April or through like May was like, of that year was like the the craziest shit I've like up until then it was the craziest shit uh that I had experienced because it was just mm -hmm. like so much many emotions and things were happening very quickly like week to week kind of really big changes yeah like like family getting back together one week being apart the other week like people like not seeing my dad for like a couple of weeks in there and like it, it's it was just like a time of like frantic frenetic like family crisis <laughs> like I think everyone was like falling apart yeah. and this was like the head of it uh was this like fucking memorial um because we all had to be there we all had to be 
you know, presentable. We had to, like, talk to all of, like, my grandparents' old Jewish friends and, like, everything. And, like, so after this, like, big blowout, like, screaming match that happens um, before the memorial, I'm driving over in the car with my brother and my dad, and I'm just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to ever have to deal with this anymore. Like, this is my life. This is every day it's going to be this way, and there's nothing to look forward to because it's always going to be this way, Um, which is what you think when you're a teenager and when you're really depressed. Especially if you're really depressed, you always think to yourself, nothing's going to change, so it's going to be this way. Oh, yeah, at any age. Yeah, any age. When you are severely depressed. Oh, I feel that all the time. Oh, yeah. like, oh, I'll always be the shitbag (laughs) 24-year-old. But, you know, as, as we're... We know things change, but it's hard to see that through the sadness. Yeah. And it's hard to be like, hold on. It's, you know, not to be cliche, but it does get better. Yeah. Um, well, even when you know that as a fact, that's yeah. not no. how it feels. Even as like what could be perceived as an adult, I still feel like I get very lost in like, I have nothing to look forward to. My life is always going to be this way. Like, and it's, you know, I have to th- consciously think to myself, pull yourself out of this. Everything changes so much all the time. Yeah. Something will change either in your favor in a way that'll spark up something again for you. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have any of that knowledge at the time. I was, could only tunnel vision see a life where all I did was play messenger for my parents, get yelled at, uh, and feel so hopelessly sad that I couldn't talk to anyone, that I didn't want to do anything. Um, or I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be alive. That was, that was the whole point. Um, and so in the, so we go to the service, we're sitting there, all the Hebrew is happening and I'm just sitting there and I can't stop thinking, you did this you you with your advice you with your actions killed this other person (laughs) like you hurt your family so much that like it's not repairable in any way like that's I think maybe what might have like broken me when I was I was like I think this is the time when I realize uh it's never gonna be the same like none of this is ever going to be the same and that broke something in my brain for me like I don't I think I just got up in the middle of the service and walked out uh and walked out onto this dark golf course and walked pretty far away from the clubhouse uh and just started screaming like just started fucking losing my shit, like ripping up grass, like punching the ground, like just sobbing, like uncontrollably couldn't, like almost couldn't control my body. Like so much was happening for me. Like I was like, like <laughs> I don't, I don't get them so much anymore, but I used to get them all the time. Is I'd get these anxiety fits where I had to throw things. Like I had to like get out the kinetic energy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm very familiar with that. You you know that guy. <laughs> That that that, that kind of hot energy that just oh, like oh yeah yeah so you know but this was like one of the first times I was ex- experiencing it as like it's so immediate yeah like and 
usually I could calm myself down from these, but I couldn't. I, I just kept getting deeper and deeper into it and like losing more and more control of like my body and like the sounds that I was making. And like, if I remember like lying on my back, like just like ripping my hair out, um, just like screw, like screaming into like nothing space above me and thinking, I was like, I'm not a religious person at all, but like, I was like, if there's a God, I could really use you right now. Like, I'm like, I need, I need somebody, I need somebody to help me, somebody help me. Like, because I can't get out. Like, I want it out, I want it done. And I was like, there's no way to help me. There's, I'm damned, you know, I'm damned if I die and I'm damned if I don't. And I felt so stuck. And I <laughs> somehow was able to stop, stop doing that, stop yelling and screaming at the sky and ripping up that perfectly nice golf course. Um, <laughs> I hate golf, just in concept, so I am, <laughs> I'm with you all the way. <laughs> Everyone should hate golf. Um, <laughs> I do. That was that was the that was the moral of the story the whole time. Uh, Golf fucking sucks, and if you play it, dead to me, Um, Linda. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Linda. Shit ain't paper or plastic this time. It's stone, stone cold. Fuck you, Linda. Get out. You play golf. I play. Fuck you. Was gentlemen only, ladies, fuck you. It's a golf stance. <laughs> That's the name of the club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the name of the golf club that I ruined the course of. Um, good, fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them in their golf course. Um, but I somehow got my shit together enough to um, walk back into the service, which by this time is over. Um, and I kind of pulled my brother aside and was like, I don't know why, like, I don't know how I even phrased it to him or how I worked this in, but like, I was like, "Hey, I kind of want to, I, I want to die right now." Like, I was like, um, "I feel like I want to kill myself all the time." Um, and I walk into traffic, and I like, literally, like undumped, like unloaded all of this, dumped all this stuff on my brother in this moment, um, and was like, "I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do." Like, this, like, I feel sick. Like something's wrong with me. Like. I think something's really, really wrong with me. Um, and he was like, I'm going to tell dad. And I was like, no, don't. <laughs> you said the one thing that was the least helpful thing you could have said. Right? It was like, are you serious? No, of course he had to tell dad. Of course. Yeah. Um, I would never be mad at my brother for because he was so freaked out. He was yeah. so freaked out. Like, I think... You know, I th- he told me once that that was the scaredest that he's ever been like. And I relate. I've been in situations with other people who are telling me that they want to leave this earth. <sighs> and it, it has a very, it hits a strong response with me, as you might imagine. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, he was like, I'm telling dad. And uh, I think I've, bl- I've blacked out what my dad said or did. I've tried really hard to remember what his reaction was, but I, I can't. I, I think I was just so, uh, just like wrapped up in my shit. But yeah. I do remember like my brother and my dad driving me to the hospital 
Um, and I was listening to like angsty music in the back, trying not to like hear what they were saying. Cause like I hadn't started off listening to music, but I started hearing them talking about me and I was just like, cannot deal with it because I was still like fugue state, like still like actively having a mental breakdown. Yeah. Um, you just gotten past the point where you, you tuckered yourself out. Base, yes, exactly. And all the, and that actually makes sense with, uh, just walking up and like spewing thoughts at somebody. Cause once you get rid of all the energy, it's like all you have left is the thought process behind it to yeah. offer someone. So it sounds very strange and flat. <laughs> yeah. You're like, cause it's all, it's all the thoughts that have been behind this barrage of emotions that I just took out on this grass. That's shitty anyway. Yeah. It's like, see that my words may sound strange, but if you could hear how that grass tells it, <laughs> yeah. uh, she's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> she needs help. <laughs> the grass is like, fuck Nana, you killed me. <laughs> um, You're fine. You'll grow back. Yeah. Unlike Nana. So, um, uh, but we get to the hospital and um, they take me away from my family um, and I was really hoping they would give me drugs or something, uh, something to calm me down. I didn't know how mental health like worked. So I was just like, they'll give me a pill and I'll feel better and I'll be numb or I'll die and I'll be fine. Um, no, they got to watch you. No, they got Exactly. They got to watch you. Um, and that's what they did. They watched me um, in that little like ER room. And finally, my parents were able to see me. But they were like, they told us all as a family unit, like, she is a danger to herself. Um, we firmly believe that she is, you know, in a state where she is, like, not, you know, rational and, like, she's a danger to herself. And they she said has vehemently declared as yeah. much. Yeah. Like, you didn't need to watch for that, bro. You could just no. ask her. You could just ask her because she'll tell you. Uh, she'll tell you flat out she wants to get hit by a guy. Um, but, uh, my parents were like, oh, that's not our Sophie. Like, oh, you know, but having seen all of this anyway, like having seen like what I looked like at the time, which was fucking crazy, of course, you know, like you can see in a person's face when they're in that kind of state. Like, I don't think there's any denying it. When you look a person in the eyes, who's like truly suicidal, you're like, fuck. I, I can smell your sadness from here. Yeah. Um, uh, but they were like, we need a, um, a person to come evaluate her, um, like fully. Um, and we ended up waiting for this fucking woman for like three fucking hours. Like, she had to come from some other hospital, and she was a specialist or whatever. It... It didn't matter. She took her sweet goddamn time. <laughs> and like... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to finish up a whole nine and then I'll head on over. I think God she was... damn it, Linda! Linda was here out there on job. the goddamn golf course when she should have been helping me with my damn mental health. Linda, you piece of shit. I hope that you never... Never get par for the course or whatever it's called. I hope you get like a million because you golf the score is low when it's good. Triple bogey. 
triple bogey. I'm going to take my triple bogey and shove it up your ass, Linda. Um, <laughs> quick sidebar. If there's anyone listening to this, I should have mentioned this earlier. If your name is Linda, you are doing just fine. You're great, and we love you. You're just, your name is a placeholder for feelings. Mm-hmm. All the Lindas out there. All the Lindas out there. I'm really sorry. But fuck you. <laughs> No, not you personally. Not you personally. The other Lindas. The other Lindas. Not you, special Linda I'm talking to right now. <laughs> you decide. Um, but, but uh, bad Linda. Bad, but bad Dr. Linda. Linda. Bad Dr. Linda. We waited for Dr. Linda for hours. Um, and then when Dr. Linda got there, um, I think... Dr. Linda probably saw, like, uh, well, the nurses certainly saw my family all arguing with each other uh, while I was in the room. Um, And, like, if I was one of those nurses, I was like, okay, we take the small one, then we take the medium one, then we take the two big ones. (laughs) That's what they should have fucking done. They should have been like, everybody grab a family member and put them in a different loony bin. Um, But uh, they just... Can I have your shoes? Why? Oh, no reason. No reason. Here, get on this really comfy gurney. Um, Have a a gown. We got the non-slippy socks for you. Hey, you like when your butt's out? I'm on a hospital gown. It's pretty pretty hot in here. Yeah. Yeah, it's get a little breeze going in that swamp ass. Um, oh, everybody's probably having all of that right now. Yeah. Oh gosh, so sticky. Oh god, fucking shorts right now. <laughs> Try to talk about serious shit, and I'm giving myself the worst denim wedgie. <laughs> um, but uh, we waited for Dr. Linda for fucking forever. Um, and when she got there, she was like, I need to talk to, you know, Sophie alone. And so, you know, family evacuated the dance floor. Um, and she was like, okay, be, you know, honest with me. And like, how do you feel? And I told her how I felt in the most plain and honest terms. Like I told her I was really unhappy all the time that I wanted to die and that, you know, I'm not sure how much I explained about my fucking family, but I think I kept it pretty simple Mm -hmm. um, because I was still just really in another place mentally. Um, And she, I just remember this phrase from her um, verbatim. Well, sounds like you're depressed. (laughs) And I literally remember being like, no fucking shit, Dr. Linda. Uh, No fucking shit. I knew we should have named her Linda. I knew that was a good call. She was going to say something dumb. She was going to say something dumb, of course. Dr. Linda says the dumbest shit. Um, That's my new show. Dr. Linda says the The dumbest dumbest shit. shit. Um, But she basically uh, told me I was depressed, left the room... And then about maybe 20 minutes later, a lot of paramedics are coming into the room um, really, really abruptly. Um, and they're all grabbing me bodily uh, and strapping me onto a gurney. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. That's not how you treat people. Yeah. And it's funny because there's kind of like two versions of this story again with perception and like memory like because in my memory when they did that I fucking lost my shit like in my memory I was like screaming and like having a cuckoo's nest moment my mom tells me I 
very calmly and very comatosely let these people grab me, pick me up, strap me down, and, like, wheeled me off. Like, and... Like, I think my mom, my mom was super upset. Both of my parents were, like, beside themselves because they saw this all going down. They were like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Where are you taking our daughter? Um, but because I was a minor at the time and I was a risk to myself and possibly others, I was never violent to anyone, but that's the wording of it um, in the law and stuff. Um, they had to call this code, which is code, which is called a 5150. Um, which is like a mandatory seventy-two hour hold. Yeah, um, you know the you know that fun shit. Um, Still seems like a very extreme way to go about it. <sighs> yeah, especially with you know kids who are in such an intense zone. Yeah. But like looking back on it, <laughs> I completely understand how they thought I needed it because um, <laughs> I was looking real crazy um, in my in what I was expressing to people, like, I think, you know, a, a sane person would be like, yeah, this suicidal person needs to be helped in some way. But this was not the help that I was really going for. Yeah. It was not really what I had wanted. Um, and it was so fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, oh, I still have nightmares about it sometimes. Um, but like, just to have zero control in a situation where you're physically being taken away um, and restrained. Um, And I just remember them wheeling me away and my parents just being like, can we go with her? Like, where are you taking her? Like, where are you going? Like, and them being like, uh, we're taking her to like one of like a couple of facilities that may have openings. Like, um, you can't fucking call ahead. It was, you can do that at a Hilton. Right? You can't, you can't do that at your mental health facility? I don't know. It was the middle of the night, and they were fuck-ups. But, like, my parents weren't allowed to follow the ambulance in their car. My mom wasn't allowed to go with me. Like, uh, they weren't allowed to see me until... Originally, they were told that they were, wouldn't be able to see me until, like, day, like, two or three. Um, but, like, n- no, no. Um... So, like, I, we get to the facility, and it's, like, all dark and everything, and they unload me from the fucking gurney. And, like, I think it's a really funny image because I was, like, strapped onto this gurney, right, um, you know, cuckoo's nest kind of style. Um, but I'm in my, like, nice funeral attire in my, like, <laughs> fancy little, like, black dress and, like, little black shoes, my hair all done. Like makeup, like all down my face, like just like, what is going on? Somebody help! <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> um, but uh, they took me to this place uh, that was for like teenage girls, um, and it was like maybe like forty minutes away from where I lived. I think um, it's in Concord, maybe. I don't know. Hard to tell when you're in an ambulance and uh, it's the middle of the night and you're freaking out. Yeah. Um, but uh, they gave, they, you know, took my fancy clothes and they gave me these fluorescent green 
uh, hospital pants, which I still have, um, and sleep in his pajamas sometimes. Um, I imagine they're sturdy. Oh, they're super sturdy, very comfortable, uh, but they're huge on me. <laughs> they did not have my size, <laughs> uh, which was like extra, extra small. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I also think I was especially crazy at this time because I was like deep in my like eating disorder bullshit. So I was like so hungry and crazy. Um, and tiny, um, so no pants fit, um, and, uh, you know, like a white t-shirt and little, like, slip-on hospital slippies, Mm -hmm. um, cause, uh, you know, there was, there were rules, like, you know, no shoelaces, cause you can, you know, uh, they, they gave me a bunch of paperwork, and I was like, well, why is this not stapled together? No staples. No staples in the whole damn place. See, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, no, uh, no, pl- no plastic knives uh, and no f- plastic forks either. We only had plastic spoons. Um, what else? Uh, they took the I th- they took the strings out of people's hoodies, um, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and when so I was all dressed up in my safe safe clothes, um, and they gave me a roommate there in the middle of the night. And uh, she was pretty pissed about that. Um, well, that's definitely what you need when you're in a mental health crisis is to be introduced to strangers who are having their own crises. To another uh, mentally ill teenage girl. <laughs> that was definitely the, the way to go. Yeah. Um, but I remember her room was so strange because like all the, all the rooms were this way and that the beds were on the ground. Um, just like mattress on the ground, um, Mm -hmm. two of them. Uh, and then, uh, but her walls were completely covered with these weird pie charts. Um, like like paper on the wall. Yeah. Like just straight onto the wall. No, no, no. Like large pieces of butcher paper. I should have prefaced it with that. Um, large pieces of butcher paper with mold, sometimes multiple, sometimes just one big one pie charts of like, I don't know. They all had titles. Like one was like stuff that I hate. And like one was like, you know, like stuff that makes me happy. One was like food that I like. It was like all these weird categories, but there were just so many of them. And they covered just like her half of the room. And it was very strange. Um, and she hissed at me <laughs> when I came in. <laughs> And I like laid down like in my bed and was like crying and like so unhappy because I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get myself out of this? Because I'd overheard the 72 hour thing and I was like, fuck that shit. I am not going to be in here for that long. I will do absolutely anything to not be here for that long. Um, And so uh, I was just laying there and I could hear her like mumbling, like being like, why do I have to get fucked? And I was just like, uh, like, get me out of here. Like, I'm more sad than I was before. <laughs> this is not helping. <laughs> I told you that I hate the current circumstances of my life enough to think that I shouldn't live it anymore. And so 
well, you just subjectively made those circumstances worse, and you seem to have done it deliberately. And well, I'm just very confused by your logic, I'm and confused. I don't feel like waiting seventy-two fucking hours to hear what it is. <laughs> so I will not wait seventy-two hours to hear the bullshit that you will be giving me, because I have better things to do. You can tell me exactly right now, and then you can give me my nice shoes back. Will you please give me my my teenager's heels back? <laughs> And my velvet skirt, please. I don't think I... Ah, maybe... I don't know where that outfit went. Did they keep it? That would be a crime. That would keeping be stealing it? it? Yes. Oh, like the <laughs> hospital people keeping it. Yeah. They threw it in. They set it on fire. They were like, this is for your own good cleansing. Hey, luckily velvet's back in. Uh, yeah, right? Let's get on that. Let's get, just, let's let's get more I'll velvet. get velvet outfits. Velvet outfits. But in the place where we weren't allowed to have velvet outfits, um, back back to that horrible place. Um, uh, so I wake up the next day, and I'm first told all these rules that I uh, talked about a minute ago, um, with the like you know stuff that you weren't allowed to have and everything. Um, and they uh, we had breakfast, which was just like they had on a styrofoam plate um, like one egg that you had to eat with a spoon um, and fruit salad which you also had to eat with a spoon and I found out about the fork and knife rule because I literally went up to like the front desk and was like excuse me this is fucking impossible <laughs> can we talk about how to eat uh, how can we have forks please because melon with a spoon is uh it's not working for me. I've been chasing this grape around my plate all day. <laughs> I swear I'm not going to hurt myself. Please. I just want to spear something. <laughs> I want to catch one piece of this food, please. I'm just hungry. I'm just hungry. I'm not even a person who likes to eat. Please. Why don't you just give me the whole goddamn melon? That's about as convenient as this is. Right? You could fucking... Cut the melon in half, put my fucking head in it, and I'll be able to eat it better than with this goddamn fucking plastic fork that you've given me. Ugh, insanity. Um, but then we had some, like, group therapy, uh, which was fun. And uh, I was asked to, like, talk about, like, what had just happened to me. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm, like, still processing. And, like, the lady, the therapist lady, like, pressured me until I like gave this whole long introduction about myself and everything and I kept being like I don't want to like I'm not like ready to talk about this right now and she was like you have to get it out right now like you know don't you want to introduce yourself to like everybody else and I was like no I don't plan on being here no I've got Um, two more days why don't you catch me on day three day three while I'm out the door yeah uh, I can be like, bye, Dr. Linda number two. Bye, Dr. Thanks Linda number nothing. two. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, I'll write you a note, leave it on your thing, be like, I was sad, now I'm not. XOXO, gossip girl. <laughs> Stop. <you> Stop. <laughs> I, you know, I, I always send notes in a telegram form because it's, you know, it just has that ring to it. It's more fun that way. It is. People know when you're done. They do. Stop. Stop. <laughs> over and out <laughs> you know it's like radio in that way um but uh after the th- the th- the group therapy um 
I was kind of like, I need to speak to who would be in charge of letting me out. Um, and they were like, well, that's not really feasible. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it. Um, so I just kept asking. Um, and then finally, um, they let me see my parents. And after that, my parents were like, okay, we told the lady that you want to speak to, you know, we told the head of the people that you want to speak to the lady who's in charge of letting you go. And they're going to let you do that. And I think that was made possible by my dad's lawyerness. I think he was like, <laughs> I will sue the ever loving fuck out of you. If you do not let my daughter speak to whoever is, you know, in charge of, of, you know, the bullshit. Yeah. Um, and so I did end up getting to talk to this lady who was pretty nice. Um, I remember her being like one of the, like the first pe person in this process outside of my family who was like, I'm ready to listen to you and I'm not going to force you to talk about anything you don't want to talk about. Um, and like, I went in really gung ho and was like, lady, I don't deserve to be here. Like, uh, you know, I was making it all up and like, you know, I don't really feel this way. And like, you know, I don't belong here. And like, you know, kind of trying to do everything that I could to like discredit myself, like yeah. to discredit everything that I had divulged. Like, I was like, I take it back. These were my innermost thoughts and feelings. They have gotten me in a horrible place. Like, um, and, but she called my bullshit immediately. She was like, she was like, yeah, I read the notes about your admittance, and, like, I don't think you were making any of this up. Like, I think that you do really feel this way. And, like, you know, she was one of the first people to kind of, like, look at me and be like, hey, like, depression is something a lot of people struggle with. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't, you know, it's not, like, a black mark on you in any way. You know, like, it's, she, like, I think the point that she got across to me was that, like, it wasn't, other people had this, like other people were struggling in this way, which of course was hit home by the, all the other girls around me. Yeah. Um, and seeing them, um, and their struggles, like there was this one girl who, um, I won't say what her name was. Um, but she had been in there for 14 days and, uh, she was like, yeah, I just keep saying by like counting the days and, uh, you know, it's 14 days that I've been alive, and, you know, that's, you know, it was 14 days since her attempt, um, and so, like, uh, after a while, after I got let out, I started from 14 and counted every day on to there, and I was like, I hope she's still alive today, like, I hope she's still alive today, it's something I think about a lot, actually, <laughs> I wish I knew where she was, because um, she was the only girl who I felt any sort of, like, connection in there with. Um, but after talking to this lady and after her being like, look, you're basically, you're going to be okay. is like, you know, what she kind of said to me. And she was like, I, she was like, I think that this would not be the right place for you. Um, so we're going to let you out, but you must like find a therapist like today. And you must like sign this agreement that you will go weekly for like, I don't know how many months it was like three or four, maybe like six months. 
Um, but she was like, on those conditions, you could leave right now. And I was like, fuck yeah, give me the paper. <laughs> I'll see <laughs> two therapists yeah, at the same goddamn time. Every therapist you fucking throw at me, I will look them in the goddamn eyes and be like, bitch, I'm sad, fix me. <laughs> Check, next therapist. Next therapist, give me this one time I want a tall one. <laughs> that last therapist, too short. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not taller than me I don't take your mental health uh, help seriously <laughs> I'm 5'3 come on guys slow bar. <laughs> anyway <laughs> but like she she we'll call her we'll call her the what's the opposite of Linda uh, uh, Raquel Raquel. We'll call her Raquel. I like that. That's jazzy. <laughs> it feels like the opposite yeah. of Linda. Yeah. I feel like Raquel, it does feel like the opposite of Linda because Linda's beige and Raquel is like red, white, and blue baby. Yeah. Like, mm, stars and stripes. Um, but <laughs> she's patriotic in my mind. Um, <laughs> but uh, she was, Raquel was like the first person to kind of like, uh, listened to me in the way that I was wanting to, like actually offered me the help that I had been needing all along, which was just someone to like talk to me and not grab me and put me in a, you know, ambulance, but someone to listen to me um, and to be like, hey, this is the actual help that you need. Like you need to see a therapist. You don't need to be locked up. You don't need to be, you know, you don't need to lock up your feelings inside of yourself and you don't need to be in this place but you do need to talk about these things, like, right now. Like, that's what she impressed upon me, was that, like, the you need therapy right now because everything in your life is very immediate, and you need to take immediate action on it, yeah. which is what your body was telling you to do. Um, so, you know, get with it. Uh, and she did have an authoritative kind of bent to her, so she did feel, like, kind of like, hey, kid. Get your do shit. it. Get your shit together. Come on. You're smarter than this. Don't don't be a little dick. Like, don't be a little bitch. Go go get your fucking therapy like a grown up. <laughs> You're like, I'm 15. I'm 15. <laughs> I just started high school. Um, but uh, after I got out, uh, my whole family was there. My brother, my dad, and my mom. And they were just, remember, just kind of standing in the parking lot with them just kind of looking at the three of them and they looked like shit like I thought I looked like shit but they looked like shit like none of them had slept none of them had ate like they had all been like hanging out around this like facility like trying to get in like I think they might have even spent the night in a motel somewhere like they had been they'd been busting their butts um to help me get out which of course you know it was really nice to know as like in that moment like my family was 100% behind me even if they didn't know how to help me they wanted to help me really badly and so just kind of standing there in the parking lot like uh, my dad was like what should we do (laughs) and I was like I want to have a meal with everybody I want to I want to I want to eat with everybody like and I could tell nobody was I want to go somewhere where I get a goddamn fork. Right? (laughs) I want to go somewhere where I can spear a fucking grape like a goddamn man. (laughs) I want to go somewhere where I can tie my fucking shoes and do that thing where you pull the hoodie strings really tight and make it a tiny little hole in front of your face. 
you know, the wonders of the free world. <laughs> and then you try and get the fork in around in the hole. But then you're just stabbing yourself you in the face. You just poke yourself and you're like, it's worth it. It's, it's worth, worth it. <laughs> just doing this. This is what freedom it. feels like. <laughs> yeah, this is what freedom feels like. <laughs> you can't see that listening audience, you but you see. can imagine it was very vulgar. It was lewd, and I apologize to all. Never apologize. No, I never apologize to Linda, Doctor Linda, or otherwise. Never apologize to the Lindas in your life. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm here to tell you. (laughs) Um, But I was like, y'all will do if you can do one thing for me. It's just to sit down together and fucking eat a meal together. And they were like, none of them seemed into this idea. Uh, they all looked like they were about to rip each other's faces off, but, uh, they were like, we will do this for you. (laughs) And they were like, where do you want to go? And I was like, I was trying to think of somewhere we all would want to go because we're all picky eaters. We're all such assholes. Um, but anyone who knows me is like, yeah, she's a really picky eater and she will throw a fit. Um, but uh, I was like, Cal- like uh, pizza? And they were like, there's a California pizza kitchen near here. And I was like, let's fucking do it. So I made my family go to the California pizza kitchen. You know, three... All of them are still in their funeral attire. I'm in fluorescent green pants, a white t-shirt, and like hospital shoes. And we're all sitting at the California Pizza Kitchen together, complete silence. <laughs> but then I think I think it started to be fun because I think someone started making fart jokes, and my family loves a good fart joke. <laughs> As we all should. Yeah, like if anything could bridge a gap, like... I think, and, and what I remember strongly is that, like, for, it sounds dumb, but, like, for, like, an hour in the California Pizza Kitchen, oh, we kind of felt like, it's so dumb, but it kind of felt a little bit like it used to with my family, like, you know, we everybody was talking to everybody, we were joking, we were laughing, and I was like... I was like, God, I love my family, and this is probably the last time that we'll be together in this way. But I'm glad that, like, even if I had to, like, get myself fucking hospitalized, just to have them sit down together, like, for one more, like, family family thing was fun, was really nice, was what I needed, I think, (laughs) other than a lot of therapy and maybe some antidepressants. But, you know... Just meet me down at the California Pizza Kitchen. <laughs> Won't you? Won't you meet me halfway at the California Pizza Kitchen? This honestly makes me want to go to a California Pizza Kitchen. You think nothing good happens in a California Pizza Kitchen, but you're wrong. Because <laughs> families heal at the California Pizza Kitchen. <laughs> Today's episode brought to you by California Pizza Kitchen. Bringing families together. Bringing families and flavors together. <laughs> if they were fucking smart, Linda at California Pizza Kitchen, Linda listening at right California now, Pizza you Kitchen. will take that goddamn slogan and you will run with it. Yeah, and you better be paying me royalties. Everybody. <laughs> everyone. Everybody everyone who room. heard it. Yeah, everybody who heard it. Sophie gets a, a dollar every month. 
Yeah, and that's enough. <laughs> that's enough for a good California pizza kitchen pizza. <laughs> Is it? I feel like with inflation, God, you gotta have a gold tooth to pay for a pizza at the CPK. <laughs> I've never been inside one. I've only seen the frozen versions. Isn't there one at serious? Northgate? Mm-hmm. Or is that an Azteca now? Or is there both? I'm a West Seattle boy. I have no idea. Oh. I I don't know where there might be. A, I know where one California pizza kitchen is, and it's the one in is Walnut the one Creek, in- <laughs> and it's the one that I ate at with my family. <laughs> Road trip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, because there's so many fun and interesting things to see in Walnut Creek. Although, me and my... Uh, the. The best friends that I made actually like a year after this happened um, at Shakespeare Camp. Um, we used to go to Walnut Creek all the time. We called it Dub Nut, like W Nut. <laughs> like, we'd be like, you want to go Dub Nut fucking shoplift from Forever 21? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> so, of course, my life got better. Just a regular weekend. Yeah, see a movie in Dub Nut, shoplift a little, go to the Barnes and Noble, go to the romance novel section, and crack the books, uh, crack the spines, so the wet, sexy parts, so that people just coming through can find them immediately. <laughs> that was our public service. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, because uh, who wants to fiddle fuck around with like uh, all this like meeting each other shit when you're reading ha- uh, Never Seduce a Scot. Uh, you're down for that killed moment. You want to know what's under there. <laughs> you're not here for like, my family clans have been fighting for centuries. You're like, no, what about your Scottish donkeys? <laughs> Show us the, the old family tartan. <laughs> <laughs> the old uh, haggis machine. <laughs> that's my story of having a mental breakdown and kind of trying to gather my family around me and realizing that you know shit's not your fault and everything you know when you get perspective on things things seem much more hopeful and you know once I started going into therapy I realized that I didn't divorce my parents and I didn't kill my nana that we know of. Um, yeah, I don't, th- I don't think you did. <laughs> Thank you. As a third party, I'm pretty positive. I'm going to add you, you didn't. to the didn't kill Nana camp, but still know there's a strong, there's a strong opposition. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but I guess what you don't do is uh, don't keep it all bottled up inside. Advocate yeah. for yourself. Ask for help when you, when you need it. And that's the hardest thing to do is like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you probably saw recently that like Anthony Bourdain killed himself. Yeah, and Kate Spade right before that. And Kate that. Spade, yeah. Oh, that was that was a fun triggering day. Um, yeah, for me. Um, but uh, just like I just saw a lot of messages of people being like, "Reach out if you need help." Like it's the easiest thing to do to like say like you know to like text a friend, and you're like, "No, the fuck, it isn't." Like. <laughs> yes reaching out is like so important but also reiterate check on your friends check on your arty friends especially (laughs) check on them artists if they're doing okay um yeah and I don't know that kind of I just want I just want people to get the mental health help they need yeah 
Like me too. If you can find the strength to advocate for yourself, please do. Or if you can, you know, if you're feeling like that's never feel like your shit is a burden on your friends. Like your friends are there to, to help you. And I just, I just want everyone to advocate for themselves. I guess is the moral of the story. It's a good one. And it's one that not many people figure out that early. I didn't figure it out that early. Well, that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> I would love to. Uh, well, the next episode that's going to happen is I'm getting a guest host. And I'm actually going to tell a little hoot nanny. So you might hear about it sooner than you think. I'm excited. <laughs> Dink. Dink. That's where like little shine happens. Bunk. Sparkles. Yeah. Uh, well, normally I wrap everything up by saying, well, there's what you don't do. Um, but I feel like you did a much better job of that. I'm and sorry. it's one of those. St- no, no, I'm saying it was good. And it's one of those stories where in the course of it, as terrible as it was, you see the value in it. So... To, to throw that little bitty on the end. doesn't really fit. doesn't fit this time around. I, I think it does, though. Like, you know. Uh, okay, so, yeah. I mean, maybe not. That's not, like, the first choice of yeah. things. Don't, don't do, don't do. Don't. Maybe, it just, maybe it just needs to be a different tone. Yeah. So there's what you don't do. So there's what you don't do. <laughs> I had something in my brain, but it completely flew out. Was it about bringing flavors together? <laughs> oh, you know it fucking was. I'll meet you down in Flavortown, bitches. God, if Guy Fieri would have been there for my family, what, what could we have accomplished? <laughs> uh, the frosted tips of sanity. <laughs> yeah, that's what you really need to achieve mental health. Is just frost the shit out your tips. Frosted tips and a penchant for shoving stuff in your mouth. Well, I'm hoping it's I'm edible when it gets there. Halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think we're going to call it Sweet. a so sweaty, sweaty, sweaty night. It is so hot in here. Uh, thank you so much, Sophie, for coming on and talking and sharing. Thank was, you so much for having me. It, it was, was a really good experience. It was super silly, but also very healing to to talk about it. That's good. Good. Um, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Um, yeah, you're obviously listening to us on some platform, uh, but just so you know, all of them. Uh, you can find us on Podbean. Stitcher or iTunes or Google Play Music, you can listen and you can subscribe and listen some more. And you know what? Tell all your friends because we th- these these stories have inherent value in the telling and the existing and how they've impacted people's lives. But they should also be heard by everybody else. So fucking push this shit on everyone that you know. Uh, <laughs> just, just push it on them. Just push it. 
Just push it. Salt and and pepper that. (laughs) (laughs) Shove them down the hall. Blasting this podcast as loud as you can. Make sure it's a really long hallway because these are some pretty long episodes and they're going to, it's going to need to last the whole time. Oh, believe me. Just careening down a roller coaster of (laughs) what you don't do. (laughs) You know, just that building downtown that's only hallways. Just start at the top and you'll get to the bottom. And you'll have learned so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that we've convinced you, uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter on both of them. It's at HWIDD podcast. Um, And we've got an email. Um, And I mean, so far, I just recruit people that I know because they're the people that I know. But... If you're listening and you fucking want to share something and you have a story, like email us because we want to hear from people and the stuff that they have. And that email is podcast at gmail.com. Really, it's just the same thing on all platforms. And then on one of them, like slap a Gmail on the end and you're all set. Um, So that's it for us. We'll be back uh, next week with more story um thank you so much again sophie for joining us thanks for having me uh everyone try and stay cool unless you're somewhere cold in which case bundle up linda (laughs) i i see you linda i see you linda i see you linda putting on two more scarves linda Ooh, linda that one in the office who's like oh i'm always chilly Ooh, all my scarves clash but they'll make me warm i have little scarves for my cubie dolls too and there are too many of in this cubicle (laughs) all of my porcelain babies have scarves (laughs) Well, that's for all you Lindas out there. All you Lindas and you Craigs driving trains and wearing scarves. (laughs) Fuck you. And to all a good night. Uh, 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 Join us next week. Bye. use that intro yet <laughs> intro. ding dong <clears throat> ding dong mistakes here i'm at your auditory door open up for me your ear doors <laughs> peep through my ear holes have you accepted our lord and savior jesus into your ear canals mm. Mm. he saves my is perfect is it good yes i think I so mean, <laughs> <do be. laughs>
It would really help if you talked at normal volume for at least a little bit. Well, yeah, we can do that now. <laughs> well, okay. Well, you were asking I'm, me if it was good. And I was like, how would I know? I wasn't asking you. Oh, I see. They're asking amongst ourselves. <clears throat> hey, Rob, is it good? Hey, Rob. Rob. Rob? Rob. Rob. Yes. Rob. Rob. Yeah. Rob. Rob. It's pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah. What can we do to make it better? Uh, nothing. You're perfect. Oh, I know that's not right. <laughs> if I was perfect, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> <Aha>! <laughs> Foiled. <laughs> Three musketeers. <laughs> they have like the characters or the candy bar? <laughs> I was thinking the men who wear triangular hats and capes who <sighs> fight uh, crime in the 1700s. It is 1700s, right? Yeah. Feathers in the hats. And the cavalier style. Yeah. See, I immediately thought of the candy bar because it's got that like silver foily wrapper. That makes the crinkly sound. Yeah. I'm having candy now. Candy ASMR. It already exists. There's weird stuff. ASMR stuff because I I like to sit and watch um, I watch videos of like kinetic sand stuff yeah People, like form things and then they like smush it and cut it and oh. it makes me go to sleep but then you end up with this weird crop of like suggested other ASMR <laughs> things and there's like deep ear cleaning Ooh. I really enjoy that's kind of gross in this way the like nail videos where like the person's like fingernail and toenail is like hella fucked up and they like they like sand it down and like make it all perfect and like nubby and then they put the acrylic on and like shape the acrylic and it's a whole new nail it's like oh hello (laughs) (laughs) hey there shiny nail (laughs) oh hey there um toenail wasn't ruined do they have talking Mm -mm. it's just pure unadulterated Nail visuals. Okay, because the sound of people whispering in those freaks me out so much. The moment I hear the noise of someone's wispy voice, I'm like, oh, God, get it away from me. It's not just like, ooh, I don't like this. It's like I'm having a terrible reaction to having to listen to this person who seems like they're right next to my ear. Yeah, and I the, need it to stop. It's the ones of people eating that I really can't stand. Ooh. Oh, I didn't even know that one was a thing. Yeah, there's a thing of people that eat like really big amounts of food, like, like cartoonishly large bowls of soup and things of that sort. But they're just like chomping away on it and they're like, Yeah, you like this? And I'm like, No. <laughs> Please stop. Put your big soup away and leave me alone. Put your big soup away. <laughs> Mister, put your big soup away. <laughs> I don't want to see it. <laughs> you don't like this? No. <laughs> if I want... <laughs> <Are> you okay? <laughs> Drinking is dangerous. <laughs> if I wanted to see comical food, I'd watch a Miyazaki movie. Right? And that food is much prettier. Oh, that food always looks really good. Oh, my God. All the food from Spirited Away. Oh. <gasps> Yes. I want to live in that big mountain of food that the like faceless 
monsters like eating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Want to curl up and fall asleep on top of one of those buns? Because it seems like because it's a cartoon, it seems like it would be really delicious. But at the same time, it wouldn't be messy at all because it's animated. It would just be whatever you wanted it to be. Like plastic food you could eat. Yeah. Yeah. Plastic food you could eat. Like if we made it out of food. (laughs) (laughs) Food Food-based plastic food. Food-based plastic food. It's a revolution. (laughs) For your body, that's a real person. (laughs) Child. Real fake food for a real fake person. What are the chances there are YouTube videos of someone feeding real fake food to a plastic child? 100%. 100%. 110 percent <laughs> Just look that up. That, like, that extra 10% is because you're going to do it and they're going to be way more than you ever thought there could possibly be. 100%. 110%. I'm sure they're sexual. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a, a range in the ASMR thing where like you'd, you'd start sliding into like fetish porn. Oh, certainly. And you're I, like, I guess if we're all getting what we want out of this. <laughs> I mean... It's it's not for me, but like I don't begrudge anyone their their fetishes. Yeah, I think you like what you like, and as long as everybody's cool and legal, it's all it's all in the ball game. <laughs> Unless it's that giant bowl of soup, that's <laughs> that's going overboard. Well, we know that I, I'm I'm king shaming the bowl of soup. <laughs> <laughs> not not the person eating it or the no, person no. watching just no, the no. actual bowl of soup both of them are fine and healthy it's the bowl of soup that disturbs me yeah it's too large it's too hot and you shouldn't have been slurping it in such a rude manner yeah what is it a mixing bowl a serving bowl it's a giant salad bowl it's a bowl you get at the dollar store to put chips in for a child's picnic oh it's fucking disgusting hideous <laughs> By the way, you can cuss if you feel like. <laughs> okay, that is I think allowed I'm, on here. I may have already been so. Oh really? I, I didn't mean, notice. It's just so much a part of my regular lexicon that I couldn't even tell. I I curse so much. It's not good. I was in my job interview the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, I love you know bringing cannabis and comedy together and charity. Yeah, I love that shit." It's just like fuck. Damn it, fuck. <laughs> just like went down that that route of like. Which curse word is the least bad, but still we're in the bleeping zone? Like <laughs> butt nuggets. <laughs> oh, oh, fudge sickle. Go goober. <laughs> I think when I'm really anxious, though, I don't swear. I think I'm like, oh, goodness gracious me, oh my. Like when I was parking just now, I was like, oh, Lord, help me, help me, oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, I really hope that, oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, fiddlesticks. Oh, fiddlesticks, old sport. I've seemed to have gotten myself in a real pickle. <laughs> I just wish people could see the physicality that went along with that. It was, it was really perfect character work. <laughs> I'm uh, always on the inside, a flapper woman distressed. <laughs> oh, oh, mister. <laughs> Where'd that soup come from? <laughs> yeah, I have, I have really, like, I'll say fudgesicle and 
shit like that at work when other people are around. And then the moment they're all gone and I run my foot into something, I'm like, fuck shit. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Fucking fuck it all. The anus <laughs> fucking ass. Fucking shit. Fucking hell. Fiddlesticks. <laughs> Fiddlesticks. Gin rummy. <laughs> <laughs> I only curse card games. Oh, pinochle. <laughs> Poker? I barely know it. <laughs> yes. Perfect. 